Heard at Sports Radio. Every weekday morning from 7 to 10 a.m. Join hosts Robbie Lula and Damon Benning and our cast of Heard at Sports personalities as they share their fresh perspectives while keeping you highly entertained. Take a dive into the latest news in all things sports from the pros to right here at home. Catch Heard at Sports Radio with Robbie Lula and Damon Benning 7 to 10 a.m. on air, online, and on podcast. Heard at Sports Radio. Pinnacle Bank Championship this week in Omaha. It's the biggest golf event in town all year. It's going to be a party. We're going to chop it up for the next 45 minutes. Welcome to another episode of Quiet, Please. We're doing it in person today. I've never done this before, but I got two good friends, two good Nebraska golf guys here. We got Judd Cornell, head coach at Nebraska. Welcome. Thanks for having me. And we got Dirk Chatlin, awesome writer, one of my favorite writers. He's in the golf business a little bit too. Welcome as well, Dirk. You got a great radio voice. Thank you. Has anybody ever told you that? Oh, I've heard it before. Yeah. And I kind of I kind of, you know, get it out there a little bit more when I'm doing this. But I like I, I like doing the radio stuff. I did some announcing in college. Uh, so I, I would love to get back into that a little bit. But I appreciate the compliment. Yeah, my problem is I have a I have a face for radio <laughs> and a voice for newspapers. So it's not a good combination. Right. But your newspaper, Ryan, is always. Are you still what? what is your writing right now? Oh, it's pretty recreational at this point. Uh, I left the World Herald about six months ago okay. and I. uh I'm just doing some random stuff right now, including coaching eighth grade basketball, uh, which <laughs> occupies most of my time. So, no, not really. But, uh, but yeah, it's kind of fun to bounce around and, and be flexible. I'm leaning into the flexibility. Yeah, I like to say there's a fine line between uh, uh, unemployment and retirement, and I, I walk that line every day. I so. like that. I, I've walked that line before, too. <laughs> uh, I, I did want to pick your brain right off the bat, though. Um, I was thinking about you last weekend. Uh Fellow Nebraskan Bud Crawford yeah. had this amazing fight where he just beat the pants off this guy. I watched it. I'm sure you watched it. Um, you've written extensively about kind of this whole North Omaha bubble of amazing athletes, and he did it in front of the world. Uh, I just wanted to get your take on kind of that win by Bud there last weekend. Well, m- mostly I just feel so good for him because he is weighted and his supporters have waited so long to kind of have a signature fight. You know, I mean, for, for years now, every time he won, it was like, well, he didn't really fight anybody. That guy wasn't very good. And to some degree, that was true. Uh, in, in some cases, it was Bud made the guy look bad. But he was clearly just itching for a, a signature fight against another champion. Mm-hmm. And And what he did Saturday night... Uh, was so validating, uh, was just, first of all, it was his best fight in his career. Um, And just the the way that he did it, it was, it it just felt so good. It kind of felt like a coronation of everything Mm -hmm. that he's done so far. Uh, 
Um, and I'm sure there will be some high points going forward, but man, it's going to be hard to top that. So, um, you know, he's he's going to get a parade and he's going to get all the love locally and that he, that he probably deserved five or ten years mm-hmm. ago. But but uh, but I think his legacy really needed this performance. Yeah. What do you think it said to uh, and I thought about it a little bit more afterwards, but they were kind of doing the pre-fight stuff. And we were talking earlier how Eminem introduced him, which was pretty cool. But like that Mike Tyson was there. Evander Holyfield was there. Money Mayweather was there. Like all the greats, most of the greats that we know were in attendance. And I think they were there to see him. They were there to see a good fight, but I think they were there to see him. So like, what does that say? about kind of where he ranks now in in terms of the boxing. Yeah, I think he's well appreciated among the among the greats. You know, he's got he's got kind of an interesting um outside the ring, he's fairly low profile, right? Uh inside the ring, he's this great showman who every time you watch him fight, you never walk away disappointed. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, we've seen him fight what 10 15 times now. Mm-hmm. Uh never once does a fight end and you're like, "Ah, oh, I just didn't feel like that was worth worth the time uh he always leaves you feeling fulfilled and uh like that was like that was money well spent uh but outside the ring he doesn't quite have the flamboyant personality that that raises a bunch of attention so uh i think I, he's sort of a he's sort of a boxer's boxer mm-hmm. uh you know the, the the greats really appreciate him because one he's a showman but but he's also extremely technically sound uh just his precision his discipline his uh, his intellect, how he adjusts during a fight. I mean, it's all the it's all the things that boxers talk about. And yet, he's also good enough to uh, to you know to get to get the love from guys like us who don't yeah, know anything about it. Exactly. So. Yeah, I was texting a former player of mine, Seamus Power, who I worked for, and and, and we kind of I, I introduced him to bud right and then i texted him during the fight and he was like man i was just gonna text you like i was watching it. and i i said the same thing to him at the end though i said he's a pro's pro mm-hmm. right and so that's what came across which is a good segue to you well hold on a second what, what do you, you got? how many how many rounds of golf do you think bud crawford has played and and what would he shoot if uh if we took him out to uh you know indian creek or lost rail oh, or something man. how many rounds has bud played is he a lefty <laughs> He's got to be a lefty, right? He's got to be lefty. That's a good question. He's a big basketball guy. Yeah. He lo- I think he likes basketball more than he likes boxing, to be honest. Interesting. I yeah. did see him in a And he's a big wrestling jersey. guy. You know, okay. his kids are into wrestling real deep. Uh, I, I've never asked him about golf. That's good. You know, that might be the next I, thing. Well, I, you know, I've, I've had this vision that maybe it's time to kind of work on this. And, and you guys could help me bring this together. Because the Miller Park Golf Course right there in yeah. North Omaha. Oh, yeah. And I've been playing it a little bit lately. I go down there in the wintertime when I've it's closed. I've been down there too, plenty of times. Great greens yep. and everything. It's right there in North Omaha. And I've got this vision to, to get Bud and get some of these Nebraska golfers and get a food truck out there. Maybe we get a DJ Brannick come out and DJ for us and just have like a little fun event out there. I would say Bud has maybe played golf. Do you think he's played more or less than 10 times in his life? I'm going to say less. Yeah. But, but, uh, I look forward to asking him about that someday let's, let's, or, or hearing the answer when you have him on the podcast. There we go. So. Get him on the podcast. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and like I say, the pros pro here we are Judd. I mean, you're the son of a pro, you're a pro's pro, and now mm-hmm. you're you were at Creighton University just there um, by uh, by North Omaha, where Bud's from, for, for a number of years. You recently uh, got the job full-time, you're full head coach down there at Nebraska in Lincoln. You've, you've been through one year now. Uh, you know, how are you enjoying that being down there? It's been awesome. I mean, it's kind of – it's where I played college golf and kind of where my heart has always been. Yeah. So it's been great. So we're getting started in a couple weeks. So guys will come back on campus uh, 
in about a week and a half. I'm going I have a recruiting trip next week, then I'm going to Cherry Hills, the caddy for one yeah. of the guys at the US Amateur. And then right when I get back, they'll be on campus and we'll start up qualifying on the nineteenth and yeah. we're off. So tell me who's the player that you're gonna put Gentry Sheaf. He's uh say it again. Gentry. Gentry. Yep. Okay. He um he qualified down in Kansas. Um, he really played well in the spring, really long hitter. Uh, so seeing him at altitude will kind of be fun to watch. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we're going to go a few days early and get ready. So a lot of fun. I was just out there with Gacheski caddying a couple of weeks ago and we were at altitude and mm-hmm. I mean, you got to do that calculation yeah. and figure it out and that'll it's be going to be a lot of work for my brain, but <laughs> I'll figure well, it out. Well, tell me, cause <laughs> I mean, as a coach, you guys are as a, particularly as a college coach, you guys are doing all sorts of different things, mm-hmm. um, including what I would say kind of sometimes some caddying. Yeah. You know, I haven't been to a lot of college tournaments, but talk to me about uh, when you're on the bag now, Jared, right. as the caddy. Uh, I was out there with you today. We're playing some golf. I was caddying. And, but yeah. talk, talk to me about being on the bag for this. I don't know what's your angle. Well, like you kind of know as a caddy and as a coach, I mean, as a coach, it's a fine line between what you see and what you say. Mm. It's like a caddy. Yeah. So, I'm going out there because, um, you know, obviously to help them prepare more so with the altitude, you know, it's a bigger event. Um, so we're going to just kind of take a few days to get ready. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of where my maybe coaching will come in. Right. And then from there on the course, it's just going to be about, you know, being there's whatever he needs from me, mm-hmm. you know, where it's no judgment as a coach or anything. We're just there to play golf and, and do as best we can. So. Right. The first few days when we prep, when we do some prep, we'll, you know, that's where we'll have like, we'll have the track man out and getting numbers and, you know, maybe fine tuning some things before we play based off the course, getting his club, his bag all set up right. And then from there, it's just, we're going to go play and I'm Mm -hmm. his caddy and I'll do what, whatever he wants me to do uh, during those qualifying rounds. So, yeah, I mean, it's a, as a coach, you know, some I kind of like that he asked me though. Um, this as opposed to maybe a buddy or something. Mm-hmm. It shows that he's kind of really taking it serious because yeah. he certainly would have more fun with a friend, I'm sure. But well, but uh, but you know his game. Yeah, and, I know his and, game. We're good. We're good with each other. Like co- really comfortable around each other. Um, so yeah, I mean, we'll see how it goes. Yeah. Well, you're. Ha- I mean, you're having more fun when you're playing well. I would yeah, say exactly. that. So he would. Yeah. That, he would enjoy that. Have you ever done any catting, Dirk? Oh, way back in the day, I did a 36-hole like state qualifier for a for a Columbus guy at, at Lachlan in Hastings, and it was about 97 degrees, and uh, I enjoyed it. But man, the 36 holes in one day—that's yeah. that's yeah. bad news. Mm-hmm. Yep, that can be a marathon. But <laughs> I, you know, when you when you have the same pins, I find that's kind of nice when you come around the second time in college golf. When you guys do those 36 holers, do they change the pins? They usually do change them. Yeah. Yeah. Not always, but most of the time they'll have two pins Yeah, and they'll just switch after 18. It's so, so obviously the psychology of golf is unlike almost any other sport, I think. And, and the time between shots, you know, is when you, you don't, you don't ever see it on TV necessarily, but like when you actually go to events and you know, like when you guys caddy, like you just, you can't, comprehend how much time there is between shots right. mm-hmm. you know and then like the 10 seconds before a shot like the importance of that concentration mm-hmm. moment mm-hmm. and and you know the difference between being really locked in and not quite locked in yeah and so as a caddy or a coach it's fascinating to me what you just said what you see versus what you say because 
I mean, you got to understand as a coach, everything that comes out of your mouth potentially has an impact, right? right? Mentally. No so it's, it's like, even, even if it's like a, even if it's a little sarcasm yeah. or anything you say, like even it's a joke or something, yep. it's like, you got to be mindful of the timing of it. And obviously like always more is less, I guess. Yeah. Or less is whatever. Less is, <laughs> you less know is more. You yeah. know it. So um, just like whether it's instruction or coaching or caddying, it's like less is more sometimes. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, and when to laugh off a bad shot versus yeah. when to, you and know. Sometimes it's like they don't, you know, a lot of times guys just don't want to talk. Like mm-hmm. they want, if they hit a bad shot, like he doesn't need to feel obligated to talk to me. Mm-hmm. Or, mm-hmm. So I get it. So I think as a, you know, you just know each other so well because right. you spend so much time together. It's like I think the comfort level for me as a when I was playing, comfort was always a, an important. Mm-hmm. I wanted someone around that like if I hit a bad shot, I didn't have to. I didn't have to feel obligated to yeah. make it less awkward by talking to them. It's like just leave me alone right. for a little bit, and right. and not saying I didn't want to talk ever. It's just yeah. kind of kind of let you be when you want to be. You John, know? did you ever? Like, did you ever witness? I mean, the the obvious response to bad play is, "I'm going to lift up my guy, uh-huh. right? I'm going to lift up my player. I'm yeah. going to give him some positive, positive reinforcement here." Did you ever witness caddies that would like get after players? Yeah, I've seen that before. I, in fact, one that comes to mind is legendary caddy. I can't remember who he's working for right now. He's got this young guy out of Ireland that's maybe going to be the next Rory. Like his name's McGibbon. I think he's probably 21 years old and he's got Dave McNeely on the back. And I was over caddying for Seamus at La Hinch in uh, 2019, the Irish open. And we're out there with him and he was caddying for Matt Wallace and they, something went wrong on the hole before. And Matt was kind of laying into him, blaming his caddy for whatever. And the caddy felt strong enough that, you know, he just basically said to him, he's like, we're not talking about this anymore. We got to move on to the next shot. So he kind of like set him straight. He's like, this is the way it's going to be, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and, and you, but you don't see that as much because there's this hierarchy, you know, when you're caddying, like he's your boss. So you're always kind of, but the, the better relationships, the guys where you have more job security as a caddy and you've got that relationship where you've developed and you're comfortable with it. Like you, you maybe have a little bit more permission personally to kind of, dig in there a little bit and fight back but it's always a somewhat can be a risky maneuver i mean i i was thinking today like i saw uh, mike hicks who was on the back for Payne stewart he was caddying for grayson murray five six years ago we were in uh in i can't remember where we were but they got into it in the middle of the fairway and and hicks threw the bag down and walked off <laughs> in the middle of the round like that's what jed's gonna do yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah go well. so i don't know i mean there, there's all sorts of ways you know to approach it um, but yeah, there are, there can be some heated things out there. I was telling Nate today, like, I remember John Merrick and I care for him. Like he snapped six clubs in the fairway one time, just like gently over his toe, mm-hmm. like one after the next. It's like, man, you okay <laughs> right now? Like yeah. we're yeah. getting down here to eight iron and four iron. Yeah. And- I wish I would have broke one. I still to this day wish I would have broke one as well, but I didn't. So, um, I, I do want to talk a little bit about um, – I mentioned Nate Vance. Uh, mm-hmm. Pinnacle Banks next week, this week. Uh, I'm lucky enough to be caddying it. We got so much good Nebraska golf right now. I want to get your guys' take on that a little bit, especially yours because mm-hmm. you're so connected to it. Um, I guess I got a chance to see Nate today play a little right. bit. Um, tell me a little bit about, you know, 
he's in the tournament next week. You coached him at Creighton. Mm -hmm. Now he's a pro. Uh, tell me a little bit about kind of what I should be looking forward to next week with him. And then maybe riff a little bit on some of these guys like Scott Kaczewski, yeah. Luke Kluver, some of these guys that are like up and coming and kind of where the sport of golf is in Nebraska right now. Yeah, I mean, so like Nate, you'll see it. You saw it today. I mean, ball striking is his strength. Mm -hmm. And I think he's putting well right now. Mm -hmm. He's telling me his stroke feels really good. And, um, you know, he's won out at Indian Creek before. Um, I think twice. He won the Indian Creek invite once. He won a college tournament there. Yeah. So he's comfort comfortable with the course and you know he as far as his driver off the tee he's got a, an advantage over mm -hmm. many people in the world he is world class off the tee yeah and i think that's where that's why he's kind of continuing to improve because he has such i think to to be at that level you have to have some sort of advantage that you have over everyone else it's hard to it's hard to make it to the highest level just being pretty good at everything mm. It's almost like I feel like every guy, like if you go on, you know, across the range, it's like Zach Johnson, he's known for his wedge game. You mm -hmm. know, Justin Roan, iron play. Mm -hmm. Justin Thomas, iron play. Like they all have that one thing that's just world class, and that's Nate's. And so, and he's really even keel. Um, he's not going to, he doesn't get too excited or too upset. Mm -hmm. think, yeah, he's telling me that. You know, I think he's uh, he's got a great mentality for golf. And then, Kind of similar to a Scott Gachesky. I think Scott Gachesky has a phenomenal approach to golf. Mm -hmm. I think he works really – you can tell he's got experience. He mm -hmm. works really hard at it, but also really smart. I mean, he has three – or four kids, Yeah, you know? So it's like he's not just this single guy who has nothing else to do. He's got a life, and he's been able to manage it for this great golf career he's right. had. Because his career has been phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, and he's having a great year. It's gonna, he's on the brink of getting his PGA yep. Tour card. He'll be out so, there. you know, this is that time of year where guys like Scott, it's like it's it's a grind. Mm -hmm. Like it's towards the end of the year, playoffs are coming. Then he's got the fall series coming up on tour. Yeah. So it's like he's got a lot of golf. No, I mean, or, I, somebody told me they don't get to play it this year. Oh, they don't. They don't. Okay. So he's going to go through until October, and then I don't know what he's going to do. He's probably going to stay home. You know, he right. played somewhere well, else. Regardless, but, he has a, a yeah. lot of golf still. Life. Yeah. So, um, you know, he's kind of approaching it maybe a little different than, you know, Luke Kluver, Noah Hoffman, or Carson Shockey. Mm -hmm. You know, Kluver, as we all know, he's just he's just a dude out there. Yeah. He's just he's he's got it for finally sure. playing well again yep. too. And, okay, uh, I got I got it. To me, what's so interesting about this, Kluver shoots what. 58, 59 at Norfolk Country Club, right? Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. You know, like I didn't was, know that. It was two weeks ago. It was on Twitter. Okay. He missed a six-footer for 58, I think, on Twitter. Um, that guy, as good as he is, mm -hmm. is not good enough, right? Like, there's a level above him, even on the Corn Ferry. Still, he's still an amateur, obviously. And then there's yeah. a level above that from Corn Ferry to, like, you know, mediocre PGA Tour Pro. And then there's a level above that to, yeah. you know, as you said, Brooks Kepka or whatever. Right. Um, what What are the margins, Jed? I mean, you you guys know this better than anybody. You've seen hundreds of thousands of golf shots. Yeah. What is the difference between Luke Kluver and the step above him, and then the mm -hmm. step above that, and then the step above that? 
Yeah, I think you, that's you fair. Can, well, I, I, I was going to ask you though about that. That's a and I don't mean Clu- I don't mean Kluver specifically. No, no, I know. I just mean that level. Because I was thinking about that. Like I, I see a lot. I've seen a lot of pros. I've seen pros at the beginning of their career. I've seen pros. You know, veteran pros. Mm-hmm. Scott Kachewski's like I remember one of my best jobs of all time was a year with Brett Wetterick, former Ryder Cupper. Like got to see that up close and personal. But then I was curious. Like you see, you you know the pro game, but you see more the college game. Mm-hmm. And so like a guy. On the same golf course, you know, two weeks before playing in a college event, might get to 10, 12, 15 under par. And then the next week, now we're playing a pro event and the winning score is the exact same. But for some reason, he can't get there. Mm-hmm. You know, so there, there is levels that you have to to jump. I mean, I think the longevity just it's golf such an interesting game because you continue to get better. And if you can just hang in there, you can get that wisdom that helps you out on the golf course. I've seen that a lot um but i do like your point too about guys that like if they have one thing they really do well and they're hyper competitive because mm-hmm. i think that's a big part of it too um that as they get the reps they figure out their confidence grows then all of a sudden they don't realize anymore that like hey i'm teeing it up with these guys like you're like i used to watch these guys on tv and it's like yep. no i am one of those guys and i'm gonna go out there and kick right. their ass like i think most of it is mental yeah uh, i think I it's think- just the nature of the game too it's just like you know, like some uh, something with Luke, for example, it's like, you know, he's playing the highest level amateur events, playing at one of the best programs in the country. Mm-hmm. So he's seeing guys that he's going to see for the rest of his career. If he if he makes it out on tour, makes a living, he's seeing guys right now. He's gaining that experience of seeing faces that mm-hmm. he's going to see all the time. So when he plays in events like this, you know, going forward it's not going to be this big show and stuff for him. right you know when right. he gets what if he makes it out on tour which i anticipate he still has a long career in golf. yeah i think so and so um i think he's going to be ready for it even through some rough patches it's mm-hmm. like he's learning a lot you yeah. know and i think maybe sometimes you forget too how young you know we've heard about his name for so long i mean he's what like 21 yeah or two. probably like, yeah some of it's that too. It's like it just takes time, I think, to mm-hmm. kind of keep building and growing with experience and polishing up your game. Um, it's just so interesting because it's like, okay, the difference between a 68 and a 70, right, is mm-hmm. the difference between maybe the top level and the third level or the mm-hmm. second level and the fourth level or whatever. And I just, I'm just, when you're watching a golfer, when you're watching around, do you look at a shot and say, Okay, that's a shot that Kepka or Cam Smith or whatever plays differently than my guy just played. You know what I mean? Yeah, there's some guy that have raw skill. Their their talent is better, and they can hit those shots. Um, and decision making. Decision making, I think, is huge. I think decision making, like maybe an example could be, you know, if you're in trouble, mm-hmm. like there's guys that may, might think through it maybe a little different. Mm-hmm. That saves that one shot. Mm-hmm. Which over the course of four rounds is four shots. Yeah, it's with, crazy how slim the margins are. Yeah. Well, like I mean, for, I'll give you an example. I, you know, Scott played really well in Colorado and uh, had a good one going on Sunday. And earlier on the week, I mean, he finished twenty fifth. Earlier on the week, you know, and this is part of my job as caddy, like yardage book, and he's doing the yardages too. And there was a pin. You know, we were on the right side of the fairway. There was a green that had a, a pin on the right side of the green. The green was a little funky, and. We got a little ahead of ourselves, didn't do the math right. We were off by three yards, and he instead left it up top on a ridge, 
he made par, but if we're right on our number, now he sucks it back to the pin, this tap in momentum, maybe the round keeps going. Instead, we kind of stalled out a little bit. And I was like, I knew it right when I saw it. Now that was a mistake on my part, if anybody, but that, that is illustrates the margins that you're talking about yeah. um, out there. Um, it's just execution, attention to detail. I think it's attention to detail is a big one. Like yeah. just kind of knowing what works for you, even like how you prepare, like just stuff you do like before the week starts, yep. all that stuff. I mean, that's how fine the line it is mm-hmm. when you're talking like the high level college players, Corn Ferry, PJ Tour. It's like kind of, you know, at, I think at, at the difference between the guys on PJ Tour and college is the guys on the PJ Tour treat it like a professional. Right you don't see that in college. Like they're not, it's, you kind of always preach to the college guys. Like you have to be professional about this mm-hmm. is your job. If mm-hmm. it's your job, you got to be professional about it. Like mm-hmm. how you walk into the office, mm-hmm. just how you walk on the course, like right. you got to be prepared, mm-hmm. organized. Like that's kind of where, what you learn in college, I right. think. But they're going to school too. So that's a little tricky. It is. But, yeah. But now all of a sudden here comes Lud- Ludwig Aberg. Yep. Here comes this, Austin Deschamps, Deschamps, whatever his name is. Like these guys are cruising out right out of college with that new thing, that Castillo guy. Mm -hmm. Like these guys are coming right on the Corn Ferry Tour, summer of and winning right away. And they're going to go out next year and they're going to win right away too. So there is a little bit something different brewing right now. Yes. Those top college players are PJ Tour players playing on a college team. Some of them. And I, you know, I've watched enough guys come out of Nebraska that like, sometimes you'll just spot like, okay, you're, you're thinking like, okay, is this the next guy? Like, Mm -hmm. is this finally going to be our PGA tour pro, you know, from the state of Nebraska. And sometimes it's just like one little flaw in the wiring, you know, it's like, okay, he hits it to 18 feet. He can't get it to 12 feet, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's like, or, or he, or he, or he always misses the 12 footer for birdie. You know, Mm -hmm. it's just like, it, it'll it'll boggle your mind if you let it you know yeah if you really think of it that way it it can drive you up the wall like kind of finding that answer of what is the difference and i always feel for the i always feel for the guys who are like the elite ball strikers who can't get in the hole yeah, yeah. you know like tom layman was my favorite guy growing up best ball striker on earth couldn't make a birdie putt to save his life mm-hmm. you yeah. know and it's like those guys will drive you insane yeah yeah yeah, that's how it came for John Merrick. Like, he was a really good ball striker, and we had a ton of looks. And he even was worse off at times where he would leave him dead in the cup a foot short or, like, three inches short, and it just can mentally wear on you. So there's a different, like, attitudes for being a good putter, a good ball striker. How do you mesh those things together? It's, it is high-pressure day in, day out, putt in, putt out, like, to be a pro golfer. I mean, right. you lived it for a little while. Like, I mean, you have to have a, an ability to – get away from it off the golf course but it's like it is one of the most constantly pressure packed thinking jobs that you could possibly have but it's it's a great job to have part of that going back to what i was talking about scott gachesky and even brandon crick it's like they've learned how to schedule to Mm -hmm. they're very they're very i think patient kind of with their schedule it's like crick i think took a week off this week yep and you know it's like he's what he's right on the brink of getting his card back so it's like on the outside it's like why aren't you playing all the time but they know what they're doing Mm -hmm. they understand the grind and that's kind of part of the learning process you know and i think next week too it's like you got noah carson brandon scott bonds kluver Mm -hmm. all of them who have had experience in this tournament yeah 
or like uh, Noah just had experience at a tour event. last week. Like I think it's the first time where I could see all of them doing well. Yeah, so, that's a great call. I really, I really do. Like I think this is the first year where I could see all of them. Shocky really, will be in there too. Yeah, Carson. I mean, Carson. Yeah. I think he, Carson works works at it more than a lot of guys. Mm-hmm. So I, he's going to be ready. Yeah. Um. That the so, Nebraska leaderboard will be a good thing to it follow will. throughout the fun. week. I think. Um, I'm looking across here. You guys both got your lost rail caps on, and it's this, a con- it's a contractual obligation. I, well, <laughs> that's a great spot to be in, and I should have mine on too because I've been catting out there a little I bit like this summer. Hat. Yeah. Well, hey, you know what this is? Los Angeles Golf Club. Is this is not... next year. This is the the uh, arena based league, oh. and the guy that he's married to Serena Williams, and he's this big mogul. And he's part of this investment group in this uh, you know, arena-based league that Tiger and Rom and all these guys are in. And he started the Los Angeles Golf Club. So that's so it's Tiger, Rom, Serena, and John. Right? Is that the team for you? You're the fourth pillar. On yeah. That? Exactly. Oh yeah, me. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm the fourth pillar the fourth on that. Fourth big investor. Yeah. Exactly. God. Yeah. I invested forty bucks in that, but I did. I'm hoping. To, I'm hoping to, for them to notice it. Um, no, you guys got your lost rail caps on, and this is a great story. And I, I just want to hear. I know Judd, you've been teaching a little bit out there this year, but I mean, Dirk, you've been involved in this from the get go, and this is just—it's so cool. I remember walking that site with you during COVID. Yes, February 2020. There you go. And you were, but you were working on this before that, um, and before that, and your uh, cousin uh, is uh, the course designer, um, Scott, and. Uh, he's thought about this for his whole life. He's been doing this his whole life. It's his work. You, you've been kind of thinking about this you, and and you guys have this great story of this golf club being born out of nowhere on a really cool piece of property. That's super exclusive. Um, and it's right here in Omaha. I guess my, um, my curiosity is now here we are, like it's been open almost about a year. Yeah. Like what is your take on what the vision was and then where it is right now? Well, um, yeah, I still have the, I think I still have some old dry uh, cow pies on my old tennis shoes, you know, from the old pasture land out there, uh, hiking around hundreds of miles over the, over those uh, two or three years of development. Um, and, you know, having you out was great. We, we did so many tours. Our, our, my thing was if we can just get people out there, mm-hmm. you know, it's one thing to show people a booklet or show them photos, but every time we got people on site, it was, a part of them sort of fell in love with it. Yep. Uh, and that's been true today. I mean, it's just, John, it's just one of these places where, you know, you walk on property and everybody's got a smile on their face. I mean, it's just, it's good for the soul. That's mm-hmm. the thing that I've always said is uh, when you're out there, whether you're, whether you got a club in your hand or not, or just walking around, mm-hmm. like it's just a beautiful piece of God's, mm-hmm. God's earth. Right. Um, and so, I think people have really enjoyed that part of it. Uh, it's a low amenity, you know, club. There's, it's pretty much all about the golf. Uh, it's small. I mean, there's 60, 70 people on the tee sheet, you know, on an average day. Um, I think, you know, we, we've had a, a chance to get a lot of guests out. I mm-hmm. think that, that have, you know, enjoyed it and played it. Uh, the conditioning has been really, really good all summer, despite some, some weather challenges. It's obviously. got a nice firmness to it. It does. Um, and it will be even better in September and October when it firms out again. So uh, some of this humidity goes away. But uh, but yeah, it's it's exceeded my expectations. Um, 
and I think the membership has really found a nice a nice rhythm. Uh, it's it was a little hectic last fall because yeah. you know it was sort of a sixty day sprint after mm-hmm. opening, but this year has been a just a real nice, steady, peaceful rhythm out there. And there's people listening and be like, what are you talking about? And it's like, if you go look this up, it's like, we're not talking about just some random golf course in Omaha. That's and there aren't many golf courses that are opening these days. So that's kind of unique in and of itself. But when you look at like the golf digest and the golf magazines and the Raiders and all this stuff, and I had a chance to get up to Landman last fall. And now we have lost trail. Like this is entering in at the top of the ranking list on the best new golf courses. And when you look at, the best courses in the state of Nebraska, it's in the top five. Like it's overnight, just plop down. We have this amazing golf course right here. Well, and our thing, John, was always, or my personal thing was every time I'd go out west or I'd go to some place remote, you know, as cool as those places are, and they are phenomenal, mm-hmm. right? I mean, whether it's Dismal or, you know, Sutton Bay or Sand Hills or, or even Wild Horse or Landman, it's just like, man, this is so cool. But it's a ways away. It's a ways away, right? What if we did this where it was accessible? What if mm-hmm. we did this where it was 10 minutes from our house instead of, mm-hmm. uh, or in my case, four minutes from my house, you know, as opposed to four hours? And so that's been the fun part is like, you know, sometimes it's like, hey, it's eight o'clock. It's a peaceful night. It's really cool. Hey, you know, let's yeah. go out and play three or four holes. Yeah. Um, and so that's been really enjoyable. Um, you know, we think it'll compete with, um, you know, on, on, a lot of the best new private lists yep. next year and, and hopefully be a, a top 100 candidate uh, here in the next couple of years. Um, but it is funny because a lot of the conversations, as you alluded to the lists, uh, are, you know, you, you've got this incredible catalog of courses in Nebraska. Yeah. And I played Landman last week. Uh, I've played all the ones out West and it is really hard to compare. Like, mm-hmm. I just don't know. How, I don't know where you begin you know, mm-hmm. it's all so subjective, sure. right? It's just sure. like, what, what is your preference? Do you like it? You know, do you like 80 yard fairways and, yeah. uh, you know, 40 mile views, or do you like the, yep. the grand trees and hills of Omaha country club? You know, right. it's just, it's such a fascinating conversation in part because, uh, everybody's preferences are so different. That's true. It's really unique. And I mean, you've played golf courses all over mm-hmm. the world, all over the country, like in terms of, I think I happen to think it's, it's really hard. I do. Th- I do find the golf course difficult, but like, what do you think about the way the golf course plays out there? Yeah, I mean, kind of like what Dirk was saying. It is because, like, I've been asked about it a bunch. It is hard to compare because they are all – it is all preference, you know. But, I mean, the thing that stands out to me about it is the conditioning that, that mm. I've seen this year is just incredible. Yeah. I mean, the greens, fairways, tee boxes, everything about it is pristine. Mm-hmm. And the best – probably the best condition course that I've seen all year. Yeah. Um, and as far as enjoyability, it's super fun to play. Yeah. Um, and I obviously, like Dirk said, it's like it's just outside of Omaha. And I think maybe the second or third time I played it, it's, I was just sitting there on one of the tee boxes thinking, man, like what a great hangout. Mm-hmm. Like this place is just yeah. awesome. Yeah. Just the, oh, this, the, the hang, the vibe, like the course is so, really really fun yeah to play it is it's open off the tee and then you got some especially after you learn how to play it's got some really fun shots yep into into the greens yep and as far as like you thought it was difficult like i think it's i think it is uh you know i've played like the off the rails and 
which has like eight tee boxes that are way back there. But it is anytime you're that open off the tee, mm-hmm. I think it makes it seem like it's um, scorable. But yeah, I mean, there's some there are some difficult approach shots. Yeah, I mean, I think there's some forced Part, carries out there that there aren't yeah. at other golf courses, right. um, which I mean probably doesn't come into effect for a lot of people. But I I just think that. And I think the greens, uh, still figuring out the greens. The greens are difficult. Yeah, yeah. They I mean, I just think that the the reading of the breaks sometimes there's a general flow that kind of kind of conveyors at different points on the golf course. So you got to kind of keep track of that. But then he's got some tricky banks in there. But then he's got some ones where you're like, all right, I'm gonna. I've been playing some wide break all day, and all of a sudden it's like this is the mm-hmm. straightest putt I've ever seen. So. I just think maybe they're still settling, but I do think it's a unique set of greens. Out there. I have, I have really, and you know, part of this is Nebraska's got a lot of places like this, but modern golf has really embraced width off the tee. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. And I, yeah. I think that to me, and again, I'm like a nine ten handicap, but that is such an essential part of my enjoyment yes, because I, I, I realize I'm not going to hit every approach shot the way that I want to. Right. right. But I love being, 170 130 and at least having a chance yep. right mm-hmm. There's nothing better than being in and play. when you're playing a good hole and you don't have a chance to score it because you're wild off the tee or you're in the rough to me that that takes a lot of the fun away yeah. so yep. i really love the width of lost rail to me the thing that stands out though is just the variety of the place yes. i mean it's yep. got some holes that feel like western nebraska sand hills it's got some holes that feel like you know occ it's mm-hmm. got some it's it's uh it's just a lot in yeah. one very small property so um easy to walk yeah 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 the variety of the place is pretty cool yeah mm-hmm. yeah i was thinking that little middle section that reminded me i remember telling scott of marion a little yeah. bit uh when you get down there on seven through you know 11 and that little stretch of kind of funky holes so it's cool I, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing it kind of continue to, to grow i, I want to give a shout out to one of our sponsors tell you guys about this this is sconey and they got these towels printed up so i <clears> kind of got this deal going with my guy they make awesome golf shoes and we got 160 towels. We're going to hand one out to every caddy next week. We're giving away eight pairs of shoes uh, at random at registration. And then we got four <laughs> pairs of shoes we're giving away. Uh, low round of the day for Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then the winter. But the tiebreaker, uh, you guys will like this. The tiebreaker for low round of the day is fewest amount of bogeys. Oh, I like it. Yeah. So we'll see. We're going to try to you know, take care of the caddies on that uh, next year. And I met them through Two Under Boxer Brief Company, which – they do good stuff as well. So check out both those. Um, yeah, I just want to talk about a couple other things. I got a little bit of time here left. Um, I guess, where are you guys at on the PGA Tour live thing? Is this like with the conference realignment and college football? Is like, it's just kind of don't want to talk about it anymore. I, I'm interested to hear what your take is on where we stand on that. I forgot right to now. mention, we should, we should uh, you know, tease Judd a little bit about his new road trips to Washington and Oregon. Yeah. <laughs> uh looking forward to trips to the pacific northwest maybe some maybe, great golf up there. maybe you yeah. can play at bandon or yeah. something like that yeah. absolutely uh host the big 10 championships at bandon dunes or hey riviera now riviera's in I play mean, hey, yeah you know. ucla usc there's right. no excuse not to have the big 10 championships at an incredible venue yeah from that's now true. on that's that true. is true uh john to answer your question i i think as this thing gets messier all the time uh i my focus I feel like it narrows even more to like the really big events in golf. Yeah. Right. It's like the four majors, the players, the Ryder cup slash president's cup, you know, maybe one or two others, uh, all the other stuff just kind of feels like politics, uh-huh. you know? Um, yeah. and not that it's like an entirely a money grab, 
but it kind of feels that way. Yeah. And so, um, as long as it doesn't like infringe on the majors, mm-hmm. I'm not going to throw up too much of a fuss. Mm-hmm. Have you watched any of the live stuff? Not really. No. no. Uh, I just never, I think it's a little bit of a lesson in that it takes more than mm. great golf to watch it. Right. Like there is a tradition element to it. Yeah. Like, I watch Colonial because it's Colonial. Mm-hmm. I watch Memorial because it's Memorial, right? right? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not going to watch a new tournament in the Bahamas just because Kepka and Mickelson are playing right. it. And I like those guys. Right. Mm-hmm. But, like, you sort of fall into the to the rhythms of your, your life, you know? And um, so, I don't know. I've been real disenchanted with kind of the hypocrisy and the double talk and all that mm-hmm. on... on uh, on the PGA Tour side, but on the other hand, it's like um, I realized that some of this was coming, whether anybody liked it or not. Well, it's, it's it has forced change on the PGA Tour, and yeah. it's going to make it probably a little bit better sure. product yeah. um, in the long run. Um, but I agree with a lot of your points as well. I um, would like to see I would like to see more creativity, though. I would like to see like let's do some more team golf. Yeah. Let's do you know um you can do lots of interesting formats you know beyond the mm-hmm. the louisiana event which yep. is best ball yep. uh i mean there's all sorts of fun things in golf that you can do right. that, that don't make it too cheesy that i think people would tune in more for uh and i don't just mean like rory and tiger playing in a yeah you know in a restaurant bar somewhere on a simulator right. i mean well, it probably is like the positive of live yes yeah, it's, it it's brought it out forces innovation right stuff with pj tour that yeah force them to innovate and change and just changes golf like you said it's just like a traditional sport that's always been it's always been hard for change i feel like you know and so we'll see i mean i think it's it it's kind of interesting what it's done and will do to the pga tour what about you were there in college you're your head coach at the same time and you know Echeverria and some of these guys got some money offered at him right on right the, I mean what was the word on the street when that was kind of happening well I think too that's that's another thing I mean with young aspiring pros it's like looking back at me it's like the reason I'm on this side is because I wasn't good enough mm-hmm. but in golf it's like you either have the DP World Tour Corn Ferry PGA yeah if you weren't on any of those, it's hard to be an aspiring pro. Right. Where now the live kind of gives these young guys a guarantee, which doesn't happen in golf. Mm-hmm. So that's another interesting factor. It's like, how could you say no? Right. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's I hard don't to know. say no. There's to no that. guarantees, you know. So um I had uh What's the what's the best? Uh, your dad's a longtime pro. I, this this mm-hmm. is. I just wanted to get this through line in here real quick. Not maybe it matters more to me, but. Your dad taught my wife how to hold a golf club. Mm-hmm. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. And we're all about the same age. Mm-hmm. Um, your uncle was my golf coach in high school. He cut me my sophomore year after I got cut from baseball. So I went up and, and worked on my game. He was, uh, he was teaching you perseverance. perseverance. You, you came back. I'm back. Yeah. And and I got it, got a chance to play for him my junior year. And then he moved on from that. And and I always knew about you playing. You know, I knew he had a had a nephew and columbus playing golf and stuff and then uh it just is funny to me how that like and then i went off on my journey everybody went off on their journey but it's kind of cool a little bit for me personally just to sit here with you guys 
20 plus years, 25 years later, you got your lost rail hats on and I'm out there caddying. Like it's all kind of come full circle. It's kind of cool. It's Nebraska for you. It yeah, is Nebraska. It is, for you. it is a very small world. I mean, yeah. the Nebraska golf world is, is such a small world. If you make enemies, uh, you're in trouble because <laughs> you're going to see them the rest of your life. Yeah. <laughs> and we're going to see them all out there this week. I like to end my, my podcast always. And I'll, I'll let each of you guys answer this yourself um, with a question. Um, let's assume it's the masters. That's a good one to win. And you're playing, the final round of the masters i've been catting for you all week long we're in a great position you've got a one-shot lead going into sunday unfortunately i went out the night before had a couple too many and i <laughs> tripped and fell and broke my ankle and so i can't go on sunday to help you like who are you going to call to to come into caddy for you on sunday to get you across the finish line you can have anybody in the world family pro caddy it's oh, okay. up to you um man i'd have that's a good one because i like someone that i'm close to and sure. know pretty well um, I'd probably have, a my, one of my college buddies, mm -hmm. roommate, Ryan Lenahan, um, big golfer mm -hmm. and I know him really well. So probably be my pick. No one really knows him. And it's kind of a boring answer. So as far as can I, guy, pick, can I pick Judd Cornell, you can pick Judd, <laughs> you can pick Judd. I mean, or, you know, you got bones out there. Like I, I was just going to say, to pick as him. a Mickelson fan, most of my life mm -hmm. and granted I've, that's been challenged a little bit the last mm -hmm. two or three years. But uh, it'd be hard not to go with Bones. Yeah, it you would. know, uh, just the the analytical voice, the the you feel like you know him already after all these years. Yep. I think I might go Bones. I love it. That's a great answer. Hey, well, guys, thanks for taking some time out here. We're looking forward to next week, Pinnacle Bay. Good luck at the U.S. Am, and uh, you know, just great to catch up with you guys in general. Thanks for the time. Take care. Yeah, thanks a lot. Heard at Sports Radio, every weekday morning from 7 to 10 a.m. Join hosts Robbie Lula and Damon Benning and our cast of Heard at Sports personalities as they share their fresh perspectives while keeping you highly entertained. Take a dive into the latest news in all things sports, from the pros to right here at home. Catch Heard at Sports Radio with Robbie Lula and Damon Benning, 7 to 10 a.m. on air, online, and on podcast. Heard at Sports Radio.